Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 162 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, sitting in the host chair on this beautiful Monday when sports are back, baby. In the studio, well, via FaceTime with me, Andrew Rosenthal, James Cook. Fellas, we've been waiting. Everybody's been waiting basically four or five months, except for those football and volleyball players who got a little taste of sports for contact sports to be back. We get the order last Thursday. Out of nowhere. That, like completely it, randing or out of nowhere. We I, wake I, up and then we're like, hey, well, look, this is what we're doing next I, week. The, the funny part was is that normally they've been doing that on Friday. So the ha- fact that it happened on Thursday was like, oh, my gosh. But we did hear. It was hear... even better. Like we weren't, we were like, okay, we were thinking like something that might happen Friday. They apparently had this meeting on Monday with the government, uh, the governor's office. Um, I've heard that from a couple of state reps. And they knew. From then on, it was they were going to be moving pretty quickly on it. You have the whole let them play movement. They had sued the state. It was pretty clear that high school sports. There, there was there was a lot of people in Lansing talking about high school sports starting up again. We had it people was a priority. We had people in the area, you know, say that there was rumors swirling as early as you know the Friday prior to that um, that sports would be back. And before, I mean, we talked on this podcast several times about why it was postponed to the 21st of February and what kind of sense that made if we thought it should be back. And not even two weeks ago, I went on a tirade screaming, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it's not. And uh, they, they, they flipped the reverse the decision, and we're started. I mean, it, it only took them two days to turn around. We already had some basketball games go off last night. We got a bunch of basketball games going on tonight. Uh, we had skiing regionals yesterday, skiing regionals tomorrow. Um, everything is, is going on all at once. James, I know that you kind of got slammed with a whole bunch of stuff tomorrow, but how did it feel just everything being back in full swing? It was kind of nice. It was at first it was a little overwhelming because you're just it's just like you're just being thrown back into it. We hadn't done this, you know, taking calls and covering games and all this for aside from football, which was afternoon games, so it's a little bit different deadline wise. Yeah, no, James, you probably had to remind people to still use the phone line and yet we are gonna be working that night. Yeah, I had to text coaches that I knew were playing on Monday night, and just and just to give them a friendly reminder to, to call in, and, and they all did, so it was good. So, you're back, we're back. Here's a friendly reminder to all of our coaches who listen to the podcast: make sure that you call in your stats and your scores the night. Win or lose. Yeah, win or lose, even home or away. Voicemails. We had a voicemail set up now, so if like we're busy on the line, and I mean we've always had a voicemail set up. Just <laughs> call. Make sure that you call in. Win or lose. Before 10 p.m. the night of your game, if you're going to overtime or something, call after 10. We'll still be around, but we have to cut off a deadline, so that way we can get our paper in at the right time. But 231-933-1410. Call in. You'll get to one of us, and we'll be able to get your scores in the paper. We can't do anything if you guys don't send us the stats and scores. And if you send it to us two days later, we're not going to put it in the newspaper. So you need to make sure that we get those uh, in. Just a friendly reminder. We would really appreciate it because I know we're ready to get back into the swing of things. I hope everybody else is. I know that's going to take a little bit of time to shake the rust off. Here at the Get Around, we don't have any rust. We've been doing this forever. We do have an email, too. It's resports at record-eagle.com. Send us all the information that happened in the game, and we'll reach out to you again if we got any uh, further follow-ups. Oh, and we're going to start uh, bringing back a... A feature that used to be in the Record Eagle years ago, which is area leaders for boys and girls basketball this year. Um, so each week, email me with your stat leaders. Um, Trevor City St. Francis coach Sean Finnegan is kind of helping with this. He's going to send everybody a form that tells them exactly what they need um, to put it in and how to get it in and all that stuff. But uh, So look out for that coming this season for basketball, even though it's an abbreviated season. Yeah, we'll be able to get – it's abbreviated, but that means that we have to give triple the recognition. With that being said, we're trying to make sure that uh, we get all that we can out in the next six weeks. Six weeks is a short season. James did say it was a shortened season. They have not changed the playoff dates for basketball and everything that they originally laid out. Basically, the week of March 18th is when districts are going to be. Uh, for both boys and girls, the way that it'll work is that girls are going to play on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Boys are going to play on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So those are going to be full, chalked full weeks for both districts and regionals. The final weeks or fi- following week, April 1st is when um, the regional finals and quarterfinals go off. And then April 8th and 9th will be the finals for boys and girls basketball. It's going to be a short season, but from what we talked to everybody last week, 
you know, they were waiting for this, and they kind of got an extra two weeks from what they actually thought. They thought they were going to be dealing with like a three-and-a-half, four-week season. Uh, so everybody is extremely hype to get back into the swing of things here during the second week of February. Uh, the MHSAA decided after the, um, you know, executive orders got lifted to, you know, take a little bit of time, go back over things. And, uh, I mean, they they haven't – you know, they haven't really changed anything as far as guidelines or return to play. Um, they all the you know basketball still has basically the same rules as these other sports. You know, they got to be sanitizing balls six feet distance. You know, masks on and you know on off the court. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting basketball season. Anything else that you guys saw from the MHSAA or the state that uh, we need to make sure they're informed on? Well, the difference that I noticed at the game that I was at Monday night is that there is no longer an opening tip-off. They just give the visiting team the ball at half court to inbound. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, at least that's the way they did it last night. And then uh, the referees are also wearing masks all the time, which is unlike uh, many of the sports that were held in the fall where the referees were exempted. Yeah, being indoors and being uh, in a tight area like that. There's a few little changes as far as timeouts. There's no longer 30-second timeouts. All timeouts are a minute. And I think that's so the kids can change masks and and all that kind of stuff. Um, And also, uh, between quarters is a two-minute break, I think, for the same reason. Okay, give everybody a little bit of extra time to catch their breath and change a mask and get some water. Makes sense. Makes sense. We have hockey back starting Wednesday. That comes back as well. Um, that's going to be a very exciting season. That seems like it goes quickly anyways. Um, but have you guys ta- have you guys seen anything different with the hockey or, or anything else people are going to have to look out in that sport? I think the biggest news with hockey was the fact that the county was going to turn Howe Arena into a vaccination site similar to what they were using the Haggerty Center for. But I don't know if this is what you consider good news or not, but the county didn't have enough vaccines to warrant it to be a vaccination site full time. So Central and West are going to be able to use it to play the, to practice and play on. You're not going to have to deal with center ice and move everything over there and schedule a season in between two rinks. Again, I don't know what you would consider that good news or bad news. Who's happy? Who's sad there? But that's just what's happening. Um, I did talk to Todd Spalding last Friday and that's what he confirmed to me. So, um, that's something I'm see- watching over the course of the season, at least in Traverse City. It would may would it be a problem eventually? We don't know. I mean, the Bay Refs play there. The Bay Refs practice there. Yeah, it, it would have been it would have been pretty difficult as far as scheduling though, because I mean, you're not only moving Central and West over to Center Ice, you're moving all those recreational leagues that play every night of the week at Civic Center, How Arena, um, also over to Center Ice. So ice time would be at a premium. You'd be looking maybe at hockey games being played at weird times just because that's when they can get ice, potentially. But once again, we we, we have a pretty short season here. Hey, we could have had a 7 a.m. TC Central West game because that would have been what have worked. Yeah. Speaking of times, speaking of times, I hope that those uh, Saturday district finals for boys basketball are going to be afternoon games because... I don't know why they would make them at night. paper. Yeah, I really don't know yeah, why they no, would make them later. Night. Other scheduling stuff. Uh, Big North Conference varsity is playing at five thirty this year. Yeah, they're gonna be playing yeah, before the JV games. Why is that happening? They're well, they're playing the varsity game before the JVs. So, uh, um, in part because of the officials, they want they kind of they think that the officials, with it being more condensed, the season being more condensed, the officials are gonna be overworked. Um, so they want the officials to be fresh for the varsity game and then do the, the JV game afterwards. Yeah, that was one of the things that coaches brought up to me was that officials are going to be tough to come by this season uh, with everything being so truncated, everything being so close, you know, so many games being on every day of the week. It's going to be rough trying to get, uh, you know, officials out there, but we know that we've we've done a good job of not having to cancel games because officials before up here, I'm sure they'll figure out a way. One more sport that is back in action uh, besides competitive cheer, which we don't have many competitive cheer teams up here, so wrestling, and that's really the big news with wrestling, was that wrestling is able to participate in the competition without masks, but they will need to be tested before meets. So and that's going to be interesting too, because the testing element we saw with uh, football, volleyball, and swim, those players had something. They had a reason. They had motivation to not want to get COVID. You know, like 
if you're like a really star player of your team, your team could lose a state championship and your team could be out of postseason game if you got COVID. So well, I don't think, I, don't, I think not, all these kids have motivation not to get COVID. They have like a four week season. If they get COVID, they're done for the year. I know. It's like, but, but what I'm trying to get is we're going to see a more general sample of, and we're going to get more data or the state's going to get more data on is wrestling or is sports spreading COVID. And oh, I, get... I feel like that's, that's, that, that, that's not something that they're going to be able to put to with the rest of sports, man. I don't think you can compare wrestling and transmission when it comes to any other sport. I do. Especially when they're not going to allow, they're not going to make them wear masks. I just think it's like, you know, they tested all these other athletes and still made them wear masks and face guards and everything like that. They're going to test, they're going to test these wrestling athletes and not make them wear face masks. If anybody has COVID, it'd be much easier for it to spread wrestling somebody in close to close contact. I mean, yeah, they're going to get more data. But, That's just my opinion. Like, I feel like they're you. This the unintended benefit of this is they're going to get more data. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that at all, though. I'm still worried about how they're going to get the tests out. When I talked to Jamie Smith last week, she was nervous about actually still getting enough tests for the season. You know, MDHS is still going to be providing those antigen tests for the wrestling teams. It seems that other teams are going to be able to test if they want to, but it's not like a mandated overall thing. So basketball teams. Uh, hockey teams and stuff will have the ability to get tests and test if they want to, but it's a, that's a whole different deal with going down and getting them from MDHHS and everything. But wrestling teams, on the other hand, have to do this um, before they are able to participate in meets. And once again, it could get really sticky uh, with the possibility of contract tracing when it comes to wrestling because there are people in very close proximity who will be body-to-body, face-to-face, uh, armpit-to-face more or less, for extended periods of time over the next week. So if, if one person director, gets COVID on a team, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough with wrestling. I think director Mark Ewell feels differently about that though. He says, well, if we can limit it to two matches per week or like two meets per week and three meet matches in those meets, wrestling would actually be the easiest sport to contact trace. You can spread kids actually out on a bench and you'll know the only three people they had contact with were the three people they wrestled. I'm with. talking about in in team wise wrestling with your with your teammates and stuff like the week before. I'm just saying that one person could wipe out potentially half of a wrestling team when they show up to a meet. Yeah, in practice you wrestle a lot of people in practice, a lot of different people. And that once again, they're not required to wear masks during practice or anything like that. Um, they're just required to test before games or before meets. So we'll see how that works out. I know that that's the, I, that's the sentiment the one, I got from wrestling coaches. Sport that I'm kind of, I, I think around the nation, people are just watching very closely. How is this happening and how is it working? I, I, I just still think that wrestling coaches from the area are still a bit nervous. Obviously, we heard about the nerves and how, you know, what it was kind of like for these football teams and these volleyball teams around the area and how they were all so nervous. We were just like, you know what? Hopefully it works out. And it did. One other thing I think with wrestling is the reason why they're doing the testing in that, not only because it's much more contact, I think, than anything else uh, going on right now, but it's also pretty much impossible to expect wrestlers to keep a mask on during a match. Yeah. There's so much contact, and there's contact with the head and the face and everything. And then it becomes, it can also become a, uh, a fairness element because you would see if they're going to stop play every time somebody's mask comes off. You would see it being used as a stalling technique. I guarantee it. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, well, what what happens if you got a wire in the mask and it rubs up against someone's right. arm? There, there's so many. This, there's so many things. You can't wear a gaiter because it only takes a half second for somebody's arm to get caught behind that and start strangling somebody. It, it, that, but that's why they're not doing masks. And we'll we'll see how it works. Once again, the testing program for football and volleyball and all that good stuff worked well. Um, had good numbers. It, obviously, there's not going to be as many tests having to be administered. There's not as many athletes. Um, you know, some wrestling teams are really, really big. I mean, if you look at those Division ones like Lowell's or Tri Catholic Central, whatever. They have 50, 60 kids on their wrestling team um, downstate. So it, it's still going to be a bunch, but it's not, um, you know, the full sample size of all of our winter sports athletes. So I think that's why it'll work. So yeah, we have we are we are back to wearing masks in basketball i know there are 20 other states in the union that are doing that any thoughts on that being continued it didn't really seem to have um all that much of an impact on the game that i saw i mean i didn't see i didn't see kids losing their breath or anything like that i mean coaches were seven guys in and out 
kind of frequently to to help that. But um, you know, I, I think everybody's been everybody's prepared for this. They, they, if you ain't used, they knew that it was coming, and they were been practicing for this. Exactly, two things. One, as a normal person, if you ain't used to a mask by now, you just haven't been wearing a mask, which I won't say anything about. And otherwise, like James just said, these basketball teams, contact or not non-contact, have been practicing since January 16th with masks on. Running around, doing conditioning, going back and forth, doing their jump <clears throat> shots. Once again, they're, they, they were ready for this. I don't think anybody gives a flying crap if they have to wear masks, except for, if, you know, select parents, I'm sure a few kids. But we got basketball season, even if it's six weeks, put the mask on your face. Uh, get through it and enjoy what you can while you can. Yeah, so, I mean, while we're still here, we kind of have just turned this into the pulse. I just want to make sure, before we get into our interview, which I never even introduced, but we have Traverse City Central's L. Craven, the stellar skier from the Trojans, who is going to be participating in the Division One Regionals on Wednesday, is going to be our interview, and we are, you know, in the middle of skiing regionals. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about that, updated you guys on who has made what so far before we get into that interview. James... Once again, you were piled on with stuff yesterday. That Division Two regional, you saw quite a bit from. What was some of the big news from there yesterday? There was two Division Two regionals yesterday. Uh, there was the one at Crystal Mountain. There was another one at Cannonsburg that had Cadillac and uh, Onekama in that one as well. Um, I was surprised that they made those teams go down to Grand Rapids when there was one at Crystal Mountain. But whatever. I mean, Crystal Mountain's now like it's on the way from Onekama to Grand Rapids. But but anyway. Uh, yeah, we had a bunch of teams qualify out of there. Uh, the Petoskey girls won their regional. Uh, the Great North Alpine boys won their regional by a few points over the Petoskey boys. Gaylord missed the missed getting the third spot uh, literally by one point. They tied Harbor Springs and lost on the first tiebreaker, which is the who had the highest fifth skier in the order. And then in the uh, other regional, the one down at Cannonsburg, Cadillac won that in the boys. Onekama finished fourth, so they missed qualifying as a team by one spot. Cadillac finished second in the girls to to move on to states, and Onekama again placed fourth there. Um, but very notable for Onekama in that one is that Kyler Thomas won the men's slalom or boys slalom title, which is the first individual regional championship in skiing program history. The coach believes, and he's been there for quite a long time. So yeah, that's that's a big news from Kyler. I mean, kind of. Kind of crappy luck for Onekama on the other four situations being literally just a hair out of the state finals otherwise. But uh, having Kyler show up, I know obviously um, the Portagers are very, very proud. We got yeah, one of the cool new rules this year that they added um, for skiing uh, that's not really COVID related. It's something that uh, teams have been pushing for for years is uh, that if a skier qualifies in either event, they get to go in both. So you have to participate so, all the way around. So it's not so your your season isn't entirely ruined by one fall. You can fall in the slalom and still qualify in the GS, and you go in both. Yeah, and it's not like you make a trip to state finals to make one run and then it's over. Exactly, that's what the coaches were telling me. They said, you know, that kid's going to be there anyway. It's thirty seconds. That's literally all you're adding to the day is thirty seconds to let that kid do the runs on the other the other event. Now, just just one more thing, obviously. We're doing this podcast on Tuesday, which is, you know, unusual. Um, but after, you know, a long weekend, I had to go to the doctor yesterday. I Speaking of skiing and snowboarding, I fell down a mountain <laughs> a week and a half ago and thought I almost broke my rib. Good news, I didn't. But I took the day off to go to the doctor and get that stuff taken care of yesterday. Why we're here on Tuesday. Um, but Wednesday is going to be the Division One skiing state finals with Traverse City Central, Traverse City West basically going to be, or the, sorry, the Division One regional finals with Traverse City Central, uh, and Traverse City West, they are basically still sitting at the top, and they both are going to have to fight Marquette to make this all happen. Um, they're they're going to get the coming down here too. Yeah, they they will. Uh, they'll be in a battle once again. I I mean, we see Traverse City Central's girls team is out of this world. We're going to talk to El Craven here in a second about how good they are this season. Um, I know that Amy Kudari really, really thinks they have a good shot at a state title this year on the girls' side. The boys' side has been getting up there and fighting uh, with Traverse City West. Traverse City West boys have kind of taken hold of the BNC um, over the last few weeks, with led by Aiden Lewandowski. And they have, um, once again, they have a good shot of 
getting past the regional and getting onto the state finals tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, they're at Crystal Mountain as well, right? Yes. Yep. So the Division One will be at Crystal Mountain tomorrow. We will see more. Make sure you check out our website, record-eagle.com, or the newspaper on Thursday to see the results from the Division One regional. Monday, February 22nd, we will get to the skiing state finals uh, after are that. They so still in, are they still in Petoskey? One, yeah, one of them's at Nubs Knob, the other one's at... Same as they were last year. Yeah, one's at Boyne and one's at Nubs Knob. So make sure you keep a lookout on the Record Eagle for those updates. Let's go ahead and dive into the interview with Traverse City Central's L. Craven to hear more about the Traverse City Central Trojan girls skiing team and their run into the regional finals. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in Traverse City Central junior L. Craven from the ski team. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We know that L is one of the fastest skiers in the area. You see her come down the mountain, and you have no doubt that she is burning up the times. Before we get into talk about skiing, we have to go into our Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's, and get to know L just a little bit. Let's go ahead and dive in the first one. What is the most ridiculous fact that you know? Hawaii was the last state added to the the United States. Just because I just learned that. Okay. Okay. What what terrible what terrible movie do you love? I love Legally Blonde. I think that's like because my name is in it too. I don't know. A lot of people think it's like a little chick flick, but I think it's so good. I love it. There's a lot of places to ski in Northern Michigan, which is the best mountain. I love Marquette Mountain. That's probably my favorite. So you're not. So you're mad that the regionals are not in Marquette this year? Um, I don't mind it. I've skied at Crystal a lot, so I know the hill very good. But um, Marquette would be my personal favorite. Is that, is that because it's like not something that you ski all the time? Yeah, and um, I like the hill a lot. It's a good steepness and good terrain. So I think it, that's probably my favorite. Room, desk, or car? Which one do you clean first? And which my one car. You- uh, my car is so much cleaner than my room. I love keeping my car clean. All right. What's your favorite childhood cartoon and why? I loved Blue's Clues growing up. That was my favorite. What would you, Do you have any pets? I do. What would your pets say to us about you if we called them for a reference for a job? Um, probably that I am very energetic and I will always talk to them. <laughs> I'm so very talkative. You like talking to the dogs and the cats? Well, like, I say hi and, like, oh, and, like, I'll pet them. And um, I'm always energetic and I can never sit down. Okay. Okay. Well, that was the Freaky Fast Five. What was that? Is it a two way conversation? Do they talk back? Some do. Yeah. I have a cat that meows so much. Well, what kind of pets do you have? We might as well just ask. So I have um, a cat and a dog. Okay. Okay. Are they, like, friends, enemies? Yeah. They actually really like each other because they grew up with each other, so they're, like, normal. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was a Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's, so we get to know Elle a little bit. Let's go ahead and dive into the rest of this interview about skiing. I think we have to talk about the, the first thing that's looming. You got regionals tomorrow, and it obviously is, you know, one of those big days before you get to kind of qualify and go for states. We know that the Traverse City Central girls team, led by yourself, has uh, done pretty well this season, but what's the attitude going into regional finals Um in Division One tomorrow? So we're just going to take it like in any other race. We're not going to put too much pressure on ourselves, and we're just going to ski how we can ski. How, how much different is regionals to state finals? Um, you know, I see people all the time saying, you know, that the regionals, you're not going 100%. You're just trying to get qualified for the state finals. Yeah, that's that's partially true for at least the Trevor City Central girls team because we're so deep. Um that we just want to qualify, and then at states we can really step up the game and try the best to win it. And because there's so many good teams there, we really just want to get into that state final meet. I know, obviously, you know Marquette is kind of that one team in Division One that has been always been good out there. Um, but you guys are looking for that that state title on the girls' side. Uh, how much you guys talked about that? I know your your coach told me that she thinks that you guys have a good shot with the depth of your team and. I mean, you got four or five girls who are able to place inside the top ten at any meet. Yeah, um, you know, Marquette and there's two, and Forest Hills North and are going to be really hard to beat this year. There's tons of good people in there. 
but hopefully we all we all know that we can ski and we can ski good and so hopefully that the chips fall into correct place for the state final meet i know you were up in the top 10 last year quite a bit but this year you've clearly dominated the big north conference in just about every meet what's it been like having that top spot with reagan now uh graduated um it's crazy because i've always looked up to them growing up and i knew that they were always really good and it's kind of crazy that I ha- am now, like, in that spot. And, of course, there's, like, always – I do have, like, always competition, and I always want to get better. So I'm definitely not, like, comfortable. But it's definitely crazy now that I'm, like, the upperclassman in races. It's definitely weird. What can you tell me about the skiing camaraderie that was there when you weren't in some of the top spots? Like, what what, what, what did you think of skiers like Reagan Ollie, who was uh, – three-time state champion in the slalom. Yeah, um, so Regan, she's so nice. The, everyone's so nice who skis, no matter, like, how, like, where you place. Everyone's very talkative and everyone's nice. So, like, I would always just look up to them because they would always be, like, such great skiers and they would always be, like, nice and talk to you because I was, like, a freshman and younger. And no matter how good someone is, I've never met a, ba- a mean person in skiing. Now, I feel like, you know, when I talk, uh, most of you guys know, have known each other for a very, very long time. Like, it's not just, hey, everybody on Traverse City Central knows each other. It's like, no, you've been on the mountains in the area with all of these kids from all these schools for quite a long time. When did you get on the mountains? When did you learn how to ski? And how long have you kind of been part of this whole culture that has gotten you to here in your junior year? Yeah, so I started skiing when I was three, probably. My mom But I didn't start racing until I was, like, three. And I've known, like, some people in Traverse City West I've known since I was seven years old. Um, and I met people away from the Traverse City area in, like, fifth or sixth grade from other races. Um, so, like, I've known all of them for so long. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously you come up in this. Do you feel like you kind of have to come up in skiing to uh, want to even compete or to race or anything like that? Or is there a lot of people who kind of just like, hey, when they're freshmen in high school, they go, hey, maybe we can do skiing. We'll try that out. Yeah, there's a lot of people who do that, and I love, I love it. The ski team, it's such an inviting place to be in, and even if you're not on varsity and, um, like, you just started skiing, there's all, we always take anyone, and I love how there's not cuts because you really get to, like, see, like, meet everybody, not just, like, your core group of friends that you know from skiing. Like, you meet so many more, um, and it's just a lot of fun. Like, the races are so much fun to be a part of and be a part of Central Ski Team. I know that ski meets are, you know, long, day-long events. Um, it's been a bit different this year. I, I know, you know, when I, when I went into these ski meets and everything last year, it's kind of like a big social event. Everybody's in the clubhouse. You kind of get to mingle. You get some snacks and some food, and you get time in between your races. But that's not the case this season with COVID. You guys are kind of stuck in your pods with your teams, stuck outside the whole time. We don't really get to warm up too much, maybe hop on the bus uh, in between. What has this season been like in you know comparison to other seasons you've been a part of? It's been very different just because we don't – we don't have much of the social aspect as we used to be because we kind of have to stay within our team for like COVID reasons. And there's no like lodge lunches. So usually like during lunch, everyone, all the ski teams would be eating lunch together. And because we don't have that this year, it's been very different, but I, I still think it's been fine. You know, I love skiing and um, it's been still a lot of fun. Has that, has that like increased competition since the camaraderies kind of had to take a dip? Has it made everybody maybe a little bit more competitive? I don't think so. I think everyone's been fine with this COVID and during the changes we've had to make, make for skiing, but um, it's still been a lot of fun for everyone. I know I had a chance to talk to you about this and kind of did a little story, but, you know, for a while and up until basically, you know, Thursday and then yesterday when basketball started, you guys were kind of the only ones doing anything, you know, bowling kind of got started up, but you guys are entering regionals the day that everybody starts their basketball season. What, what's it been like kind of having all eyes on the skiing team and, you know, being kind of the only thing that anybody was looking forward to? It's been different because skiing's usually not like that mo- 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 much of a popular sport. Um, and so there's been a lot more attention on us, which I don't mind. I like it either way. So because skiing's been the only sport, We've had a lot more attention on us, and it's been different, but I still think we'll make the most of it. And I know all of our, all of us were super appreciative that we can still ski, 
and do the sport that we love. Yeah, I think I think it was your coach who made the joke and was like, "Hey, is there anybody on the ski teams who are going to go out and play basketball and get four varsity letters this year? Is is there any conversations like that? Thinking, hey, maybe we could do something else after we're done skiing, or are you guys kind of just like, I'll I'll be back on the mountain next weekend. I feel like it's more be back in the mountain next weekend, especially because usually skiing like takes up such a big chunk. So other winter sports we haven't really got to like try them much. So I never love to ski, ski and free ski. So we'll probably just be doing that. Now, when I always like to ask this because I just got my rib checked out for falling on a snowboard and thinking I broke my rib. What goes through? You got thirty what thirty one seconds when you're heading down a a steep blue hill at, at Boyne Mountain, How wh- what clicks in your head? How fast are you thinking with uh, a slalom, which is moving your feet back and forth, or even a GS? What, what, what goes through your head in those 30 seconds while you're making your race down the mountain? It's weird because I, like, I blank out those 30 seconds. It feels like two seconds to me. Um, as soon as I put, like, my poles over, I can't recall anything that happened. I don't even, like, think of, it's a weird, it's like muscle memory almost. I don't think about turning. I just kind of, just, everyone's kind of goes. Okay, okay. I, I feel like you, you have to just put the faith in yourself there. Exactly, yeah. One thing I've noticed is, like, why do y'all skip poles? Like, if you're going down in a slalom run, what um, what goes into that? And, like, why don't, you, why don't you have to hit everything that you would see on the mountain? So when you're looking at it from the from the bottom, it looks a lot more confusing than it is. Um, there's certain combinations like flushes and um, through gates, and there's others like these gates that you just go kind of through, so you don't hit most of some of those. But if you like, if you actually ski down the track, everyone you hit is like the ones that you're turning at, so it's a lot less confusing. Do those poles hurt? No. Really? And you can like sometimes they like miss your hand and they can like hit you in the face, but then you have like your helmet, your goggles. They, they don't really hurt. You don't ever like take it on the shoulder or anything like that when you're doing GS. They don't really hurt, man. Sometimes, sometimes you get like a sting, like one that stings really badly. Um, but yeah, they do padding in the suit that you wear. So I definitely, I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt, but most of the time it doesn't. I just, man, that's a, that's a, that's the most surprising answer I've gotten today. I watch you guys go barreling through these poles, these hard plastic poles at like 44 miles an hour, just like punching through them, and it don't hurt. That you guys are a bunch of troopers. And they're frozen. <laughs> Nonetheless. <laughs> Now, you say that. I, I never knew that either. So the suits that you guys wear, they're padded. How warm are those those skin suits? Very cold. Very cold. They do not keep you warm at all. But we make the best of it. How? I guess you're on the mountain so much. You guys just have to be, like, cold-blooded, used to the cold. Is that how it is? Yes. In the wintertime, I get, like, used to the cold. I think, like, now it's been cold because it's been, like, five degrees with wind chill. But you get used to a certain temperature, and you kind of just it gets normal. So, what's your perfect conditions for the mountain? I know I talk, I've talked a couple of times. It's like, oh, everybody has to ski the same thing, but like temperature, fresh snow. What's your perfect conditions for your ski run? What, what are you looking for? So I love it when it's sunny. It just makes the race so much more enjoyable. So definitely sunny, and I am a big fan of hard snow. So like hard, like almost icy snow. I do the best in that condition. Okay, is that, is that just because, like, you go faster? Yes, I believe so. And because it's super hard, less ruts form, so the, it's easier to ski. How much uh, different has this season been kind of, you know, last year, like Elizabeth Saunders and, and those kind of, we're kind of the leaders of the team, how much more of that has fallen on you this season? Um, I would definitely say more because, I mean, I'm an upperclassman this year, so you get looked up to more, but like in the freshmen and um, sophomores, you give them advice and like rides. So that's been, definitely been changed. Also, the, all the people I, I grew up skiing with, they're not there anymore, I feel like. like. My sister graduated, so it's been definitely weird without the people I normally ski with. Oh, last year you got uh, first team All-State in both, uh, finishing sixth and seventh. Do you have any goals this season as far as how much you want to do better than that? I want to do the best possible for my team, for my team. So I, I'll see where the chips fall into place, but I just want to do the best I can for my team. Now, you mentioned, I, I know I asked earlier that it could be, you know, some novice skiers who come onto the team, and you mentioned what it was like being a freshman and a sophomore looking up to these people. And obviously I ask you for advice. What advice do you give novice skiers who are coming onto the team who are asking you all the time or somebody who's going down the mountain uh, for the first time? What type of advice do you give them? I 
enjoy every second of it because there's lots of days that are cold and windy, but it just goes by so fast. Like I'm already almost out of my junior season and it goes by so fast. So just enjoy every second of it. And like you said, you don't even remember your runs, do you? <laughs> I I don't. I just they they blanked in my head. I don't know how that happens, but make sure that you take every every moment because you're not actually gonna remember when you're racing. Do you uh, do you remember the end? Like you you get you cross the finish line and then you you know you usually do the you do your stop in there, the fenced off off area and there's all kinds of fan and the fans there. Do you? know where your fans are going to be or your people from your team are do you remember any of that yeah so i remember like the last two gates and like crossing crossing the finish finish line and i always try to look for my coach and other teammates because we also get horse reports um so as as soon as i finish i'll try to go find them and like for the next people behind me tell them like what the tricky spots are and how the course is holding up I, I guess one more question for you here. We know how tight these ski races are. Sometimes by a you know one hundredth of a second, two hundredths of a second. A lot, lots of times it's it's very very close. Can you tell when you're in a run how fast you're going, or can you tell when you finish a run if if you made a really good run, or is it kind of just like every time you get done, let's see what the time is? Yes and no. There can be runs that, like, okay, no, there's always things that I can I notice that I do wrong. Or, like, always, like, bad turns, and there's always stuff you can do better. But there's runs that you know were, like, okay, that was good for that condition. And there's also runs that you're, like, oh, that was bad. So I would say yes and no. You don't really know how you're going to stack up between other people, but I can know, like, for myself if that was a good or bad run. So, like, so going into a second run, say... Say you hit your whatever, 30, 30 and a half second mark on your first run, and you know somebody's close. How do you, how do you make sure or how do you make up for that little bit of time on, on your next run to make sure that you end up in the top spot? I just try to clear my mind. I don't like to put too much pressure on myself, and I just try to ski clean and minimal errors. Is, is it better when you're skiing that when they have both courses right next to each other, or is it better when they have them separated a little bit so you don't have the boys skiing almost right next to you? I like it when the boys are close to us and, like, starting at, like, the same area because I like to cheer them on and there's people on my team that I like to talk to and I definitely like to see how they've been doing. So I like them close by. All right, I got one more, and it's just because, once again, I, I stink at being on the snow. Um, do you remember your worst fall, either during competition or not, and do you ever – think about that on your way down is it just like oh we fall we fall well what is the worst crash you've had i haven't had that many bad crashes luckily yet um so i just have like gs crashes are it's kind of worse for me i have where they kind of slide down the whole hill and my skis pop off but i haven't had any like bad injuries or bad crashes luckily that's good that's good maybe it's because you're a good skier who learned when they were three years old I definitely do fall, though, so. Alrighty. Well, Elle, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a fun conversation with you, getting to know you and the Trojan girls teams a little bit more. Uh, good luck in regionals and a couple weeks in state finals. Uh, we're excited to see you guys perform and obviously excited to see you again next year. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Another huge thank you to Elle for hopping in on the phone with us and chatting with us about skiing before they go to regionals tomorrow. Good luck to the Trojans, the Titans, and everybody else who will be participating in the regionals tomorrow and who has already participated and will be moving on to the state finals in a few weeks. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. we got a couple more segments, gentlemen. I didn't really run down the... Uh, the whole episode today, but we do have to talk about girls basketball and do a preview. I wanted to chat it up because, um, you know, I did I did spend a considerable amount of time this past week talking with, you know, area basketball coaches and girls coaches in particular to kind of put together an overall feature um, of just what we're looking at this year. Like I said, it's a truncated season, but we still have so many good teams to look out for. And what it looks like, especially this year, our varsity girls' landscape is dominated by 
young teams. We're talking about there are, I'm thinking, at least six or eight teams I can name off the top of my head. I'm going to name a few of them uh, off the top of my head that already have maybe one or no seniors on their teams. And it's it's going to be an interesting season, a shortened season. You know that a lot they lo- a lot of seniors. We had a lot of amazing seniors get lost to graduation last year, have their careers cut a little bit short. But you know we we have some teams to look forward to this year. Uh, the way that I did it, you know, I kind of went by conference and broke some things down. There's a few teams that I didn't hear back from. So if you were wondering why we didn't preview some of these teams, I didn't hear back from their coaches. And there's nothing I can do. I'm not just going to make stuff up. So. Uh, let's start off. Uh, one of the one of the teams that I am interested in seeing this season is going to be Cadillac. We'll start off in the Big North Conference. Cadillac has, especially when it comes to the girls' side of things, in the last few months, we talk about volleyball. I mean, McKenna Bryant was our girls' athlete of the year last year. Um, I feel like they are just cranking out stellar female athletes from Cadillac. Their basketball team, big, big plus. Macy Brown is back for her senior season after taking a junior year off to focus on volleyball. So Macy Brown is back to join Molly Anderson, our 2019-2020 Record Eagle Girls Basketball Player of the Year. So our Volleyball Player of the Year and our Basketball Player of the Year are going to be on the same court for Cadillac once again in their senior seasons. Uh, I feel like they're going to be a big threat in the Big North Conference this season. What do you think, fellas? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Everybody else has got got to be on the lookout for them. They had hundred uh, percent have to be, I think, considered the favorites. Yeah, I think I think the hardest thing for them I mean, is that they it's have Cad- it's Cadillac and everyone else until we learn otherwise. The, the, the hardest thing for Cadillac is that they have a brand new head coach in Kip Damgard. After what Mike McLaurin, longtime coach, steps away, uh, you know, Kip Damgard comes in. He's going to be he, he's the newest person on the team. Everybody else got some experience. Everybody else is ready to rock and roll. If you talk about the rest of the Big North Conference, Trevor he coached all the girls at JV level too. So. So there's a good familiarity there with him. He should know, exactly. He knows the program and everything like that, but it's just his first year as a varsity head coach. Mm-hmm. So if you go over to Traverse City West, who just recently got a new coach as well with Amy Drake, um, they, on the other hand, they're looking, because of COVID, they're right now they only have one sophomore up on the team. They usually mix it up a little bit. But they have Aaliyah Deal back, who was a first-team All-BNC selection last year and is kind of like the, the motor that runs that team. They have Emily Bohr, Ava Warren, as also as upperclassmen, uh, who are going to be trying to lead that team. But once again, there's there hasn't been a superstar, a scoring superstar on West or even Central. I mean, Jordan Burnham's pretty good on uh, Traverse City Central. I think what's her name? Far- didn't Farmer's daughter graduate last year? So she's yeah. So she so she's gone. Uh, but you know, Traverse City. I, that's one of the teams I haven't heard back from was Traverse City Central. But I I know that you know once again they don't have a super scorer on their team. Um, you know, I, I look around and I think Molly Anderson has to be the best player in the Big North Conference. And we know that Macy Brown as a sophomore was a difference maker for the Vikings. So I can't wait to see how they come back and kind of battle for that Big North. I would have to say that if we're talking about girls basketball, Cadillac's my favorite for the Big North Conference. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up to see if Karina Stewart was a junior or senior last year. See, that's what I think she was. A, yeah, Karina Stewart. She was a senior. Yeah, she was. Year. And she was like their big... Yeah, now, I know basically our next largest conference in the area would be our Northwest Conference, so we'll dive into that. A few teams to, to talk about there. I mean, the first one we can't ignore is Glen Lake. I mean, Glen Lake was in the middle of a district, hopefully a regional run last year when this all got shut down, and they come back with, from what I can tell, more firepower than they had last season. They lost a couple of, they lost a couple of players who are longtime veterans and uh, you know, kind of anchored that, but they still have Grace Bradford. They still have Haley Helling. They still have Grace Fosmore. They still have Jessica Robbins. And I can't remember her name right now, but I Ruby. think – What's it? What is it? Ruby Hogan. Ruby Hogan. Yeah, but I wasn't going to bring that up. I was going to say uh, we know that you know Grace Bradford has probably been their best all-around player. She's like six foot one, six foot two. She's tall. She's a good skill player. She can handle the ball. She can shoot. I talked to Jason Bradford last week. His youngest daughter, who's now a sophomore, is taller than Grace yeah. – and apparently is just as good, if not better, according to her father. <laughs> so there is going to be some issues for the Northwest Northwest Conference in Glen Lake this season. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of length there too. I mean, teams are going to have real trouble getting the ball inside and scoring from the inside on them, and and even getting jump shots off because I mean that they, they can put four girls out there that are like five ten with long arms. 
and there seven seven seniors on that team this year. I told you a lot of these other teams are not senior laden. Seven seniors on that Glen Lake team this year. They open up on Thursday with Frankfurt. Both Glen Lake teams go to Frankfurt or open up with Frankfurt. I think the, one of them hosts. One of them's there. Okay, another another team in the Big North Conference that you need to watch out with, who is once again loaded with seniors. They didn't have the greatest record last year, but Leland uh, has a few girls on there, and we I mean we talked about Olivia Lowe and what she was able to do last year. I you know we had a conversation on this podcast about Olivia Lowe possibly being our Player of the Year, um, right there behind Molly Anderson, and she's been just an all around amazing athlete, uh, volleyball you know and basketball for Leland this will be her final final season flanked by another six seniors they have 10 returners from their team they basically didn't lose any basketball players last year they have Olivia Lowe Tatum Carrick Mia Osorio I mean those are three of the girls who have kind of helped Leland do things for the last four years as um, you know varsity athletes but you look at this team loaded with experience to come back and try and fight for a big north conference or a northwest conference crown she was one of those four that swept Class D uh, uh, MHSA scholar athletes. Her and uh, Wyatt Sarine. Yeah, two uh, Leland, two Leland yeah. people. That was cool. And they only gave away four scholar athletes for Class D in the whole state, and they were all from up here. Were they all Leland County too? Or no, one was Ellsworth. One was Ellsworth, and then Northport, Sophia yeah. Stoke, and then. Three and, so three in Leland County. We got, we, got, we got smart and good athletes up here. Congratulations, guys. Keep up the good work in the classroom. One more team I'll bring up, and it's more or less. Because i got to bring up their, their star player in Ellen Bretzky. Uh, Benzie Central and Ellen Bretzky. Ellen Bretzky has been a, uh, you know, a big piece of that team. Uh, when her older sister was around, it was kind of them too. But she has had to take over uh, in the last couple of years. I know Sarah Ross is... You know, extremely excited to have this team together, but she's basically like one of two seniors on this team, and the rest of them are freshmen, sophomores. Um, it's it's going to be extremely, extremely focused on Bretzky per usual. I know that she actually didn't wasn't their highest scorer last night when they started off the season, but um, they have Elise Johnson, Kaylee Novogratik, and four sophomores on this team. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be I feel like another. Rally around Ellen Bretzky and see what she can do season. Yeah, and last night it was one of the, I think it was one of those sophomores who led him in scoring, and that was uh, Gloria Stepanovich. Um, so if they can get production from other spots aside from uh, Ellen Bretzky, things are looking pretty good. I mean, they started off with a tough game, but Ludington is also supposed to be a really good team and also is very, very big and physical. So Sarah Ross was saying that was a good good game for them to start with, thrown right into it and respond to that. I mean, it was a Monday night, and they didn't have a, not a single full-contact practice. I can only imagine how, how that goes. That's like going to play a pickup game of basketball after not playing for four years. It's like playing a pickup game of basketball against, like, an NBA team if you haven't been playing. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the Lake Michigan Conference. This is one of those conferences that is going to be up in the air because there's not much – so there's not a super amount of experience spread throughout the conference from what I can see. Boyne City lost all five of their starters. St. Francis has no seniors on their squad whatsoever. No seniors. Charlevoix lost nine seniors from their undefeated Lake Michigan Conference Championship team last year. This conference is up for grabs, gentlemen. Yeah, and, and St. Francis lost you know Cam Shaw, their, their big girl in the middle, too. Um, I don't know that they have... Anybody who's that have a center to come back this season either, so they might be a team that doesn't have a, a senior or a, a true post player. Yeah, I know Tyler Shell's a little bit worried about that. The closest you're probably going to get to that is Gwyneth Bramer. She's she's got a, she's got a bunch of height, but she's one of their more skilled players as well. So yeah. tossing her down the post doesn't make all the sense in the world. Yeah, I did see that Elise Stuck has been playing in a few games in uh, for the University of Michigan this season and whatever they got going on there. Pretty regularly. Well, I mean, cool. we, we could talk about Charlotte Boy. I mean, obviously losing Elise Stuck, losing another senior like Addie Nagel, who who ran that team last year. It, it's going to be a very, very tough season for them. There's three freshmen on that team. But, I mean, they went undefeated in the Lake Michigan Conference last year and kind of like ran away with this. Do you think that gives them any leg up, uh, even though they don't have basically the people who made it happen last year? The only person who's left is Taylor Petrowski. Well, Petrowski is a good place to start. I mean, she's going to be one of the, I think, the top returning players in the Lake Michigan. 
Um, but it's one of those things where if you're down a little bit, everybody's going to be gunning for you because you beat everybody twice last year. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I was told, too, with the uh, Ski Valley Conference this season in basketball, in, in boys and girls, I think, if you play the te- a team twice in the conference, only the first one counts towards the conference standings because they're not banking on everybody being able to play twice. Yeah, so if they so like, miss, miss game. Only the first time you meet plays counts in the conference standings. Well, let's go ahead and talk about that Ski Valley Conference then. Uh, one big thing here, i got to talk about Bel Air. I know Coach Brad Fisher is extremely excited, but talk about J.C. Summers. I think she has to be you know, in our top five for running for player of the year on day one. Well, we knew that team could have made it to states last year, and look how young they were. So, yeah, I, I mean, Bel Air only had one loss on the season by the time the season got shut down last year. You talk about having girls like yeah. J.C. Summers, Emerson Kepke, and Noel Mann. Uh, that's going to be some of five seniors that are going to be leading that team. But I think the big thing is that they're going to have depth. They, they combine their JV and their varsity teams. And, James, you know how Brad Fisher likes to run that team. They're going to need the depth. Yeah, I mean, they run that press all the time. Big, you know, whistle to whistle, you're getting pressed by that team. Uh, so having more bodies to throw into a press is uh, going to make it even more more frenetic, I guess. You know, I, I, you know, Gale, I think Gaylord St. Mary will be pretty solid in the league, too. Um, Isn't it the Jeffers had, last year? I believe she is a senior now, yeah. And, uh, and they got some other pretty decent players as well. Uh, Johannesburg-Lewiston, I think, will be decent again. You know, then you've got maybe the out of out of our area teams, you know, like uh, Onaway. Onaway wasn't a bad team last season, so but, I'm not sure how good they are this but, year. But Bel Air has to be the, like the overwhelming favorite to win this conference, right? Oh, yeah, hands down. I mean, they they beat they beat Bel Air three or beat Gaylord St. Mary three times last year, and you know, you know, they didn't lose a whole lot from last year's team, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their only loss. <laughs> Players, they lost some depth, yeah, but they're they're getting that back with having the whole JV team on the varsity. Their only loss was this game to Lake City where they just couldn't really score. Well, Lake City was good last year. I mean, they were twenty and two. Yeah, once again, yeah. I mean, Lake City had a pair of twin towers that obviously were able to kind of shut down J.C. Summers. But J.C. Summers goes into I think I think it's her junior year. And James, you saw her play as a freshman. I've seen her play a couple of times. Uh, Andrew, I'm not I'm not sure if you've actually seen her play, but she has to. She has to be in the you know top three or top five in the running for our girls player of the year uh, this year. No. And you have to remember, this was the Bel Air team that snapped Gaylord St. Mary's three fifty nine game conference win streak dating back to four years ago. Like, it, it's so weird to talk about Bel Air as such a, as a dominant force in the Ski Valley Conference when for so long it was Gaylord St. Mary, and now it just seems like a. They've dethroned them, and now they're going to create their own streak. But yeah, Summers, Summers, I mean, is you know, one of the more complete players in the area too, along with like you know Greg Bradford and, and Olivia Lowe, stuff like that. But Summers does a little bit of everything. She can play out in the post. She can. Uh, she's got really good length in that press, so you can pretty much put her where you need need her to be. You know, uh, in that press to disrupt passing lanes. Uh, very good defensively. Blocks a lot of shots. Gets a lot of rebounds just contributes in a lot of ways to that team. I'm excited to see where Bel Air will go. Um, you know, and a couple other teams, like you mentioned, will have a chance to fight for that uh, Ski Valley Conference title, but I think Bel Air is the favorite. One more conference I want to chat about before we get out of here is the Highland Conference. We just kind of mentioned Lake City and how they had the Twin Towers that took down Bel Air last year. I want to make a note that we are adding Lake City, McBain, and McBain M- NMC back into our coverage for basketball and hopefully other sports. But that way we have more teams than just Manton to cover in the Highland. But, you know, since we're just getting started with that, didn't get all the information I could have from Lake City and from the McBains. So uh, just want to do a little report on Manton. Uh, J.P. Katona is always very responsive. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, they they lost basically the hardest or one of the hardest working basketball players that we've seen in the area, Jaden Wilder, last season. I mean, that, if you talk about somebody who's a motor for a basketball team, Jaden Wilder ran that Manton team basically you know, up and down the court, into the ground, into the basket, and it all kind of fed through her. Um, joining the Rangers this year is actually her younger sister, Lauren, now a freshman. And according to Tritona, is going to kind of jump 
right into her sister's spot and will be the point guard for the team, will be taking over for handling the ball and kind of being that cog. So they went from wilder to wilder. Can Manton get any wilder? I don't know. They're also going to need to replace Abby Brown because having Brown and Wilder was that one-two punch that was just so hard for anybody to stop. And then getting some contributions here and there from some other players, you know, they were just a team that was incredibly hard to contain. And, uh, you know, they were the team that knocked Lake City out of the playoffs. Lake City was 20-2. and two. It was it was, it was Man that took them out in the districts. Man did a lot of crazy things in the basketball playoffs the last couple of years. I know two years ago, I remember seeing them hitting that buzz, buzzer beater. Was it to beat Glen Lake? I think it was Glen Lake. But I think Matt, Manton's always somebody to watch out for when it comes to girls basketball. They're a force to be reckoned with. J.P. Catone is a heck of a coach. And the Rangers, I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, like I said, I mean, what Abby Brown was over a 1,000 point scorer for them, right? Oh, yeah. Both Brown and Wilder were. They're both went, both going on to play college. Um, you know, Abby Brown went to, went to uh, I can't remember where it was, Alma or something like that. Big Wilder went to Lake Superior State. Alrighty, well, that's a bit of a girls' basketball preview for this season. We obviously didn't hit everybody, but there's way too many teams for us to get through. Uh, that segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. That's going to put us into the Hall of Fame, gentlemen. Let's make it quick. We got three new inductee or three new nominations to get inducted into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Which one of you fellows would like to go first? I'll, I'll put up uh, Kyler Thomas from Onekin the Ski Team. Uh, winning the boys slalom for the first individual regional title in program history for the uh, Onekama Co-op there. Also placed fourth in the giant slalom to qualify individually for both and move on to the state finals in two weeks. Andrew, who you got? Going to go to last night. Uh, Caleb Moore from Manton. He led all scores with 24 points, hitting it. 10 for 11 from the free throw line and adding five assists and four steals. Look, this team held Jaden Alfred to like 10 points or something like that. And we thought he was going to just completely ball out this senior year. That might still happen, but in the first game, it doesn't. I think it will happen. But yeah. Manton came out and changed their game plan completely. They went out, they came out and started pressing, which is, man, is not a press team at all. They're a man to man defense. For you know all the years that Ryan Hiller's been the coach here, which has been quite a while, and they just decided because of COVID, can't really practice man-to-man defense as much, so we're going to put in a press. Well, that's that's a whole different thing. I don't really think about that. Any, anywho's, I'll go ahead. I'm going to put up TC Christian's Hunter Haldeman, a friend of the podcast, a previous guest, still doing big things in bowling. Led the way in the GNHBC meet with a 237 game. Uh, last GNHSBC. We, we've done this before. That long, <laughs> long name bowling conference. 237. So he won that individual uh, high score last week. So I'm putting him up. Let's go ahead and put up to a vote. I'll go last. Andrew's been last the last three like weeks. So you go first this time. I think Haldeman's in it. So I'm going to go more. I vote Kyler Thomas and make you make the decision. Yeah, I, I was going to I was gonna vote for Kyler Thomas. Getting the first regional championship in Onekama School history for the ski team. Individually, of course, very, very big accomplishment. So congratulations to Kyler Thomas, the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. We got one more segment. That is our trifecta. And I think it's an easy one to, to at least conjure up. Obviously, Super Bowl Sunday was just this past weekend, and we all saw Tom Brady just slaying his greatness all across the field. I know there was a lot of people, including our – Lovely Andrew Rosenthal here, who are big Kansas City Chiefs fans, and thought Mr. Patty Mahomes was going to run all over the field. That is obviously not what happened. He got shut down, and, and he was kind of, he, he might have been hurt during the game too, uh, which uh, is not good. What was with a concussion? Uh, tur- turf toe. Oh, he's fine for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, he got shut down. They, turf they didn't uh, look like it was bothering him too much. Threw it like thirty yards. That was the most interesting play yeah. of the Super Bowl. Like, it was a bad game outside that one play. I, I don't think it was a, too bad of a game. But it was a bad game. They dominated the trenches, and oh, yeah, they didn't do anything because the D-line was just tearing them up. Yeah, they put, what, I think I saw like 58% of the time they were putting like four or five-man pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and he just couldn't handle it. But you know who could handle the heat was Tom Brady, and that's what the trifecta is. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a dumb question to ask, but... 
is is he now the undisputed goat? A lot of people were saying, well, you can't compare Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers because they've never played against each other before. Well, Aaron Rodgers, did. Aaron Rodgers has absolutely nothing on Tom Brady when it comes to accolades. He's got two MVPs. That's it. A Super Bowl title, but still. That's what I'm saying. Tom Brady has seven. Tom Brady now owns more Super Bowl rings than any franchise ever. That's the that's the crazy thing. I mean, just think about it. If he comes back next year and plays, and they win the Super Bowl again, he will have Super Bowl half the seasons in which he's played in the NFL. 11 for 22. Or who'd been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, who'd have played in a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl in half the seasons he's played in the NFL. Mind-boggling. Yeah, and then the one the one stat that SportsCenter was throwing around all night last night was – Steph Curry's like the best three-point shooter in NBA history. His career three-point percentage is like 43. Yeah, like 47% of the time already, Tom Brady has been in the Super Bowl. And then once again, it's been now more than half, well more than half of the times he's been there, he's won. So if that's the case, I don't think there's much. I just Is there even an argument anymore that he's the greatest quarterback of all time? I, I, I don't. How much longer does Patrick Mahomes have in the Patrick NFL? Patrick Mahomes has zero. I, I'll tell you right now, and you can mark this 10, 15, 20 years from now. Patrick Mahomes has absolute zero chance of catching Tom Brady. Zero. Tom, Patrick Mahomes might get three rings. Okay. He has a large contract to stay in the league. He might get three rings. That doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how big his contract is or whatever it is. Patrick Mahomes is not going to win seven Super Bowls. Nobody won seven Super Bowls. He had a bad Super matchup Bowls. with Brady. And that if he's matched up with Brady, then he's gonna Brady's gonna win the game. Regardless, I think Mahomes is still just a better quarterback overall. I mean, he had lost. I think the Mahomes game. has twenty years less on Tom Brady and is a much more athletic kid. Yeah, but he is not. He's never gonna sniff Tom Brady's jockstrap when it comes not, to that. He's not gonna be that athletic for twenty years. He's gonna have to change his game and become more like Tom Brady in the last twelve years of his career. I mean, Mahomes is great. I mean, yeah, I'm not taking that, away, but he's not gonna. Falling to the ground, and that was a 30-yard or so dart that hit a dude right in the face mask, and he dropped it somehow for what should have been a touchdown. I just, I, I've come to the, I, 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 dude, Tom Brady's a Michigan man. I'm a state guy. I was, I've never really been a fan of Tom Brady, honest to God. Like, Tom Brady, he's not the funnest to watch play. He doesn't play the prettiest football at quarterback. He, his feet are like concrete, but there is nothing that you can take away from that man. That says that he, and that's the thing, is that I've heard about it over week after week. It's his leadership and his, you know, dedication to the craft that makes a difference. Yeah. He's like, the, he's like I, I get what you're saying. Like, he's the boring RPO quarterback where he pays more attention to his reads than he would, like, his footwork and his being mobile. Like, that, because that's how the Bucks' offense worked this year. I mean, that's just how, that's just how quarterbacks in the NFL have been historically. People who and are Tom Brady was always that quarterback, though he was always more of a read, a read, pass, read quarterback. He was I mean, never, was never like the flashy athletes like the Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, but that's the Andrew. You have to. <laughs> I, I understand that you, you like, and you're a younger guy, but you have to look back in NFL history. The best quarterbacks are the quarterbacks who are pocket passers and who focus on their reads and their plays. They don't get outside the pocket or running anywhere. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Joe Montana. Like all, I can I can name thirty five guys that stay within four feet and are the best quarterbacks ever. The reason why Patrick Mahomes is getting looked at the way he is is because he's doing things differently, and he's he's very very good at it. He's a, he's the guy who can throw the ball behind his back. If you think Tom Brady was ever going to throw the ball behind his back, no. But Tom Brady is going to win those football games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, think there's I think and I do think people get confused by that sometimes. Like an exciting is is an exciting quarterback to watch. Are you a better quarterback because you're more exciting to watch and you've changed the game in different ways? Or are you a better quarterback because you played the game in this original pocket pass quarter, pocket pass football style? I'll put the comparison out there for you. You're a quarterback because you win. Yeah. Why do you think I hated Matt Stafford for so long? But but the comparison I'll give you for that, Andrew. I don't think the Lions would have put Tom Brady either. This is the comparison. I'm making close just, just to close out that out. Is is Floyd Mayweather the most exciting boxer to watch? No. Is he not the greatest boxer that has ever boxed in, in their divisions? Absolutely. Exactly. You don't have to be the flashiest or anything. What you need to do is be the most technically sound and know exactly how to win. And that's what Tom Brady is. He is technically sound in everything that he does, and he knows exactly how to win a football game. 
That's what will make you the greatest of all time, knowing how to win. Right now, Mahomes is the kid, which is a baby goat. Well, kids and ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for episode 162 of the Get Around Podcast. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at TCRE Sports, at Jake Adnip, at James Cook 14 and at by Andrew R. Follow us on Instagram at TCRE Sports, on Facebook at the same. Make sure you keep a lookout for the coverage of skiing, regionals, and all of the amazing happenings in winter sports that are back. We are going to be busy over the next couple of weeks. I know you are too. I can't wait to get back into the swing of things and keep chatting. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.